You're listening to The Soccer Show, brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic on 1077 The Franchise. Good morning. Hello. Happy Saturday, Oklahoma City. This is The Soccer Show here on 1077 The Franchise, brought to you by Oklahoma City FC. Ryan Chapman alongside Todd Lizaby. Todd, good morning. How are you, my friend? Morning, Rhino. We've also got Matt Goldbranson, Matty Goldfish on the other side. Matt, hello. Morning, Matt Fish. Thank you again for rolling in with us so we can talk some shop. What's going on, guys? Well, it's Mauricio Pochettino Day in my world. Some say it's Bobby Bonilla Day. Some some, say it's Welcome to the Big 12 Day. For you, it's Mauricio Pochettino Day. Correct. Correct. uh, His contract is on, which means that, as we all know, he had never said, you know, he hadn't moved into his office at Cobham. He had not been negotiating with the club or talking with the club about anything. We kid, we kid, we kid. Uh, That's some silliness to start the show because it is silly season, Todd. We are in the heat of transfer season. This is really what it picks up today, July 1st, officially the um, continental transfer window opens for the Premier League. That doesn't mean that all the deals hadn't been done yet, but it's when they can be announced, all that fun stuff. And uh, it really starts the kind of really aggressive move to it moves all around the the window, Todd, because a lot of the international break, a lot of the international window is kind of behind and clubs are looking down the barrel of saying, hey, in like three weeks, we're going to be starting preseason. So if we'd like to have all of our transfers in or most of our business done by the time preseason starts, got to get things done in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I got a, uh, a tweet from a listener earlier this week, and he was like, hey, I'm new to the soccer game. Explain to me the Gold Cup's supposed to be the bigger deal, but more of the big name players played in the Nations League. Why is that? And before I could even answer him, one of our other listeners answered and said, because the big-name players are getting ready for their European leagues right now. They're yeah. about to go on their preseason tours. I think that's one thing that, you know, we have a lot of people that listen to us, obviously, that love the sport of soccer. And there are some that are just flipping through on their radios and hear us and are too lazy to change the channel. Uh, and for those people, I would just and say... those people are uh, my spirit animal. <laughs> if, if there has been any part of you that's ever wanted to get into soccer as two guys who love the sport... One of the best things about it is it is truly year-round. It is not nine months of guessing where James Harden's going to go. It is truly 12 months of soccer. And because I say that, it's truly 12 months of action because there is such a short time with no club soccer, it makes all of that off-season stuff even battier, right? I mean, it happens so much faster and, uh, you know, the only thing I can think of that's gotten close to it is the NBA, but the NBA's is scheduled on what date they can start. Yeah. And they all come in like literally in an hour or two. Yeah. This is more like rumors that start and then you go from not even, I mean, there are guys, we just talked about one for Chelsea before the show, you've never even heard of. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, our club just got a new player. Sick graphic, bro. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He and looks, it just happens like that. In a t-shirt. Right, you. I mean, in three days' time, we went from uh, Man City aren't worried, they're going to get Declan Rice if they want him, to both bids were rejected, to Man City said it's too pricey, to Arsenal bought him. Yeah. Like, in three days, all of that happened. So, um, there's so much that goes on from week to week in the transfer market, and it happens so fast, and the next thing you know, you look up and they're playing again. 
Yeah, for sure. And we'll, we'll dive into a lot of the transfers as well. But I think another great example of the the never ending saga kind of that is um, just look at the Casado rumors with Brighton, right? So Chelsea have been in on Casado from the start. Uh, both Chelsea and Arsenal had kicked the tires on him in January. They had talked a ton about kind of the handshake deal that Casado would be stuck through the rest of the year with Brighton. He would get his transfer this summer if someone offered a reasonable price. And so you're just thinking, okay, Chelsea looking at Casado, Arsenal and City, their number one options were Rice. Um, should be pretty simple. Well, then something totally different. Chelsea and Manchester United negotiating over Mason Mount when it sounded like that United were ready to walk away from the table, the next, like, it was, hey, first line of the tweet, Mason Mount, Manchester United off, United have walked away, all that. Second line, they're looking for midfield help. They're going to go for Casado, which then sends Chelsea fans going, wait, 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 wait. Even if we're not going to sell Mason Mount, maybe get United back to the table so that they are bargaining for four or five more days so that out the other, right. in the right. other office, we are, we're on the phone with Brighton, like, it's yeah, it's the, like you don't want to sell us your player. We'll just go buy the player you're trying to buy. Yeah, it's it's just a big soap opera the yeah, whole time. It is, which it is. is why it's incredible. And the best and if, part about if you it, are someone who's new to soccer and and you don't know all the people, uh, Ryan, you know there are so many people, so many fake tweets, and so many people making up headlines because soccer headlines. I mean, you think a headline of Damian Lillard says he wants to play for the Heat is red meat here in the states, and it is. It's global with those soccer headlines, right? You know, and, and the English. When someone would say 10 years ago, Cristiano Ronaldo to Chelsea, question mark, like that would make it, that'd make the rounds globally. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, there's that and just the, we want to get existential. The media landscape in Britain is very tabloid centric. Sure. And, and so sure. pulling things out of context and stuff is just the norm, which, right. which stirs the headlines even more. So you have to be careful who you listen to. And uh, that's why I think Fabrizio Romano is probably the best guy out there. Yeah, David um, As Ornstein, far as covering all leagues, Ornstein is really good as the well. Orn Father, if you're talking about news in Italy, uh, Di Mazzario is someone yep. that is pretty plugged yep. in. And we had the one summer of Alfredo Padella uh, when he was in with Maurizio Sarri's camp. So sh- shout out to the random like insiders that just get in with one coaching staff. For instance, like Matt Law is really close to Pochettino's coaching staff. So Matt Law is going to shoot up the Chelsea rumor list. Like it- It's just crazy how all of that works. But Todd, let's dive into it. The big transfer, the one that had kind of been... Uh, in the lurch for months, really a couple of seasons. The the Declan Rice rumors have been on fire for a, probably two years. Once Jude Bellingham, it, it kind of sounded like he was going to go to Real Madrid, Todd. That meant that in England, there was going to be a knife fight for Declan Rice. He ends up, though, 100 million plus to Arsenal. Arsenal get that defensive midfield reinforcement uh, just off the top, it was kind of an Arsenal City battle, it sounded like. Um, how crushing is probably not the right word, but how big of a loss is it for Manchester City to not just not sign Declan Rice, but for the, the title rival from last year, Arsenal, to be able to reinforce in an area of the pitch that uh, didn't have a ton of depth for the Gunners? Um, you know, it's hard, to, it's hard to tell because Man City obviously have a ton of depth. And even with Gundogan moving on, they still have a ton of depth. They signed uh, uh, Kovacic from Chelsea and 
you know, I think you said you think Man City, Man City will find him very useful in midfield. Yes, yeah. Um, so, you know, and, and don't forget, they still have Calvin Phillips, who everyone that Pep has ever signed, it's taken, Calvin Phillips. it's taken them a year to move their way into the squad. And so for Calvin Phillips, this may be the year that he needed. Now, he didn't see the pitch as much as like Grealish did or Sterling did in their first years. Um, but you still have Calvin, Calvin Phillips there for depth. And I think Man City there... You know, from this, this is something that Fabrizio Romano said. For Man City, their their targets were number one, have got to get a center back. Number two, uh, a midfielder. Right. And they got a midfielder already in Kovacic. Yeah. You would like to maybe get another one because Gundogan left. I think all of that was predicated on re-signing Gundogan as well. But he leaves. You'd like to get another one. But if it takes away from your number one target, which is to get a center back. Don't overpay for a midfielder. And I think yeah. that's what they decided on Rice was they obviously, it seems, had a threshold set and they didn't go too high. And, you know, for as much hell as Man City gets, and it's understandable, even as someone who supports them, I get it. They have the most money. They spend the most money. Um, you know, there's a lot of money that's been spent yeah. on that club. I totally understand that. But there have been many times, not just this one, where Man City have backed away. From negotiations for players that they obviously wanted because they thought the price was too high. So I think, you know, when we talk about a club like a Newcastle who is kind of new money right now, um, when you see all the money that Chelsea is spending with a new owner, anytime you've got a group that has new ownership or, you know, new success like Arsenal, it is just as important to spend the money the thing that's just as important as that is to be able to know when to say, okay, that's too much. Just ask either the New York Mets or the Phoenix Suns. Right, right. And I think, you know, for all of the for all of the talk about Man City having all of the advantages they have, and I, I totally understand where people are coming from on that, I think they don't get enough credit for the job they've done in scouting players in their front office and determining where money's going to go, right? So... You know, I think that's just kind of where Man City was on this one. And I think because it's kind of like with Thunder fans and Sam Presti. You know, if Sam Presti makes a draft pick that we all go, I don't know about this guy. You go, but we trust Sam Presti. He's got a good history. Right. And I think City fans are kind of in that same boat right now. Of They obviously wanted Declan Rice. They didn't want Arsenal to get Declan Rice. But they trust uh, Cheeky Bagaristan and the front office staff because they've been so good in the past in evaluating players. On the flip side, Arsenal looks like the reported fees, 105 billion pounds. I'm sure that that'll move just a little bit one way or the other, depending on uh, payment structure, incentives, all that. But for me, it, it, Arsenal, the, the big thing this summer was you have a really, really young squad who put in a hell of a fight and the future is as bright as it can be. But we have seen in the past Tottenham were in this spot, you know, 2015, 2016, 2017 in there, right, of really, really young core, uh, maybe a surprise initially, but then they showed they could compete. And then what the big fight was is that the reinforcements never came. It was not actually going out there and saying, hey, the time is now to invest and compete. And I think that that's why I was kind of confident that um, – Arsenal would be able to build on this season, but it's also why I was like, look, this is not a 
woo, moral victory type thing. There's still work to be done, and they have done that work so far. Rice, one of the... You may look at it and go, hey, he's not going to get involved in the attack as far as scoring goals, things like that, but he's someone that is kind of that modern defensive midfielder of he can shield the defense. That's priority number one. But if you need him to, he can take the ball off of an attacker and carry it um, 20, 30 yards up the pitch and really I, I would break just, some lines. He's an excellent passer. I would just say to people, you know, if you've watched any Premier League soccer in the last year, if you want to know why Rice is so expensive, how valuable is Rodri to Man City last year? Yeah. Right? I mean, that's – not only did he score the biggest goal for them, you know, in a lot of their biggest matches, but – defensively, when they had injuries, when they had rotation, when Pep changed formations, Rodri was always the guy that kept that thing keyed in in the middle of their, you know, defensive midfield. And that's so important. The way, you know, and and I think it's worth pointing out with Rodri, Rodri plays in a way that Arteta kind of wants to play, right? He plays a Pep style. So I think that's the type of player they're looking for in Rice, someone who can distribute well from that position, uh, which he does, and I think he fits in perfectly. That, like, I, again, I trust that Man City didn't want to overpay. I get it, but at the same time, like, I think it's an incredible buy for Arsenal. Yeah. Obviously expensive, but yes. I think you're going to get what you pay for in this. And one. and for me personally, when the the rumors between Rice and Bellingham and all that stuff were rolling. I would have rather spent the money on Rice because he's been around the Premier League and he's proved he can do it in the Premier League. And he was operating in a West Ham side that didn't have a lot of sex appeal in the attack or anything like that, which means that you take a, a guy that can orchestrate things and put him around Saka, put him around Gabby Jesus, put him around Odegaard. It's good. Like I, I would expect that his chances created numbers, all that stuff are, are going to go way up just because you're you're putting him into a, a much better side, and it's almost freeing for him. It's like, hey, you you don't actually have to do everything. We need you to a shield the defense, b break the lines. Anything right. else that you do is going to be uh, above and beyond what we actually need you to do. Which, in a way, for a big money signing like that, can kind of take the pressure off. Also, uh, you know, I, I think people don't understand that there is extra value in someone who is English because there are squad requirements that you have to have, a certain amount of players from England, and English stars are also more marketable, right? So there's extra money that goes into them, and uh, that's part of it as well that drives up a price on a guy like a Declan Rice. I would just ask you this, Ryan. So for those that don't ever usually listen to the soccer show brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic, uh, Ryan supports Chelsea. I support Manchester City. So for all the people that are listening that are Arsenal fans, tell them what they got in Kai Havertz. Well, uh, the the biggest thing is going to be where is Kai Havertz deployed? If if you are looking at Kai Havertz to come in and play anywhere behind Gabby Jesus, then I would be really excited because you're getting uh, someone that when you watch him, it, it, he's so... It's silky, it's smooth, nothing looks hard. It looks like he's not breaking a sweat. And he's got the, we've seen the the mean streak a little bit, not where like he's going to get red card or stuff like that, but he's someone that can get fired up. And he always usually delivered his best performances in big games for Chelsea. The problem he had at Chelsea is that he was asked to play the number nine. He was asked to lead the line. That's not what he does. And so I also 
because of the the formations that Chelsea played, he was kind of pushed out wide a little bit as a winger. He's not a winger either. Like he is a ten, and that that's what I'm most interested for Arsenal is because you've got Odegaard that can can sit in behind uh, between Saka and Martinelli. I'm not sure where Havertz fits into that group because I don't think I would play him over Odegaard, um, and I, I don't. I wouldn't put him over Martinelli or Saka on the wings because of what he does as a winger. So a lot of great depth, and and I'm interested to see what Arteta does because that, that doesn't mean that because this is how they played a majority of the season last year, they can't evolve that a little bit because Havertz absolutely could be one of those guys that links up. And the thing, too, that I don't think people appreciate about Havertz is he wasn't because he's so graceful around the pitch, I don't think people realize he was one of those guys that had no problem working back in and doing the defensive work. So... I'm really fascinated. Like I, I love Kai Havertz. I was sad to see him go. Um, I think it's got a, good, got a good price for him, though. Yeah, great price for him. <laughs> Sixty-five million pounds uh, that help Arsenal helping Chelsea out of Chelsea needed that off the books in by the end of June, and so I think it was beneficial for both. This is the kind of like reinforcement that okay, if Odegaard goes down for a couple of weeks, you can just immediately slot Havertz in, and there needs to be no evolution of tactics. Uh, I'm just really interested to see how that's going to work out if Arsenal want to kind of play the same way because um, I'm not sure I would pick him in the first 11 based off of just what's going on right there. Sure. Um, we are uh, the soccer show brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic. There are lots of things we got to talk about today, Ryan. Obviously, a lot of uh, U.S. men's national team players involved in transfer news. Christian Pulisic, Timothy Weah, uh, Balogun, you know, his what his future is at Arsenal is up in the air. Harry Kane and Bayern Munich is yeah. a transfer saga that's honestly been, because of the Declan Rice stuff, I think a little bit kind of pushed the on the back burner. For sure. And is a huge deal, I think. And then also we have to talk about Man United and David De Gea. Well, Man- and Man United got off the line with Mason Mount. They so did, they've yes. got ingoings, yes. outgoings, tons and tons to get into. More transfer silliness on the other side. You're listening to The Soccer Show, brought to you by Oklahoma Broadway Clinic. More after this here on 107.7 The Franchise. The Soccer Show is on Twitter. Give us a follow at Soccer Show 1077. Show here on 107 on the franchise brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic. I've got good news for everyone. Our rate limit has not exceeded this morning. <laughs> we are firing. Do you know at what 100%. we're talking about, Matt? No. Apparently, there's a Twitter issue right now that a lot of people are getting an error message that says rate limit exceeded. The best part is that, like, Todd and I are experiencing this differently. So, Todd, your Twitter is Mine, mine's totally fine, mostly normal. I like if I've got tweet notifications on, I can see those tweets pop up. The second I go to the top, I can go to like the trending page and see what's going on there. I can sift through that. The second that I try to like just go to my timeline, it it just says rate limit exceeded. Please wait a few minutes, then try again. And nothing's popping up. I think I've been kicked off Twitter, which is fun because I don't really tweet a lot, I feel like, compared to of our other brethren you know what i mean like it's usually just like hey here's a link for something or i usually just tweet braves period when they do something right, that makes me right. happy <laughs> or retweet chelsea stuff correct right? uh yeah so you're not having that experience either matt um with twitter I don't really use tools okay good on you that much congrats like good honestly when i use Your it whenever you guys it. like send me stuff i see. I see i don't know i don't have it on my phone 
Uh, I'm just not a big social media person in general, to be honest with you. So, well, you're uh, missing all the big transfer news then. I, I am. That's we, why I listen get to you... the soccer show and I produce, so I get, like, I, get, I get it mainlined, man. Didn't we determine Liverpool was yes, your team? I, okay. I'm yes, just, I'm just a scrappy boy you're from big, Liverpool. You're a big Alexis McAllister guy. <laughs> exactly. Did I, now, did I, tell you, did I tell you that we found a team for our young baby Drake Vitito this week? No. Ooh. We have settled on Wolverhampton Wanderers Ooh. for Drake Vitito. Well, Drake yes. is kind of a wanderer yes. by nature. So he wanted some sense. something that was different. He didn't want a team that wore red or blue. And I was like, you ain't got a whole lot of options, bub. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he likes Portugal, I guess, <laughs> right, is, is right. his thing. Yeah, so he is a uh, he is a Wolverhampton Wanderer. Here's we need to do like a uh, franchise like FIFA league or something or That'd whatever it is. I'm down with that. That'd like, be I mean, you, you guys would all come be. It'd be the Larry Bird three point contest deal. Who's finishing second in this thing? Yeah, probably. I'm, I'm not that great at it. I, I haven't played. I think it Matt in Burton's a while. pretty good. Matt Burton is really good. I've been known to my favorite part when I do like FIFA leagues like that is. First off, we're going to have to have some rules and regulations on teams that we can ban. <laughs> we're going right, to have to have right. a banning system. Can't have Man City. It's going to sound like League of Legends, but like we're going to need a ban system. Uh, I also am... am well, oh, you're talking about like from listeners. Just in, anyone in the league. Okay. It's like, hey, yeah. we go head to head. Like, you're not using this. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of those. It's not just Man City. There's a lot of those clubs. The other thing is uh, I've been known to... Uh, go and do some custom forma- formations that are pretty uh, a big pain in the ass to deal with. Um, mm-hmm. On FIFA 12, that was where I originated it because that was the one where you just bombed down the wings and if you had a DDA Drogba, perhaps, then you were going to just win Right. Uh, if you crossed. So I had a formation where it was uh, nine players in the defensive third all on... Uh, instructions to not leave their position, and then one DDA drive bomb one just forward, bombing it forward, yeah. and uh, waiting for you. Basically, to, like, Ryan's the reason why most people break controllers. Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. I have more joy in you being upset than me actually scoring. Just right. expect a lot of red cards because I love fouling people. Beautiful. <laughs> That's like my favorite thing to do. And I will slide tackle you from like fifteen feet away, and I'll get you too. Speaking of red, well, I was going to uh, say Twitter may be kind of iffy, uh-oh. but that didn't mean. That I didn't get this beautiful tweet from an account called Eric's Butcher. It is a video, Todd. It is a two-hour video of all of David De Gea's howlers throughout his career (laughs) commemorating his exit at Manchester United. Yeah, so so for those that haven't followed this saga, it's pretty interesting. It's pretty interesting. Um, David De Gea, the first-team keeper at Man United, gosh, he's been there for what, 10 years? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think, in fact, more than that, he was a he was the keeper when City won six one, and that was in the twenty twelve year. Yeah, I, I so think, he's been I there for 11, probably 12, 12 13 is, years, yeah, something like that. Uh, but David de Gea, um, he uh, he gets offered a contract by Man United to take a big pay cut. He signs the contract, gives it back to him. And they go, yeah, we probably offered you too much. We're not going <laughs> to accept that. Here's a new offer for less. So now he's not going to sign. And as of today, just like, you know, Cincinnati, UCF, BYU, and Houston officially went to the Big 12, contractually, as of today, David De Gea is a free agent. Yeah. And Man United have lost him for nothing. F all, as they say Indeed. across the pond. Yeah, the, the 11-12 season was his first at Manchester United. Uh, he's a guy that I've always really appreciated because I, I, for a time he was the best keeper in the league. 
Um, he's just gotten a little bit older. I don't think he's bad by any means, but he, he just has a, a few more mistakes, and he a gets few, definitely a few more mistakes, uh, a lot more mistakes. And he's always gotten hammered for it. And he's always just been like cool, calm, and collected, just like yeah, I need to be better. You know what I mean? And, and so I appreciate that. But at the same time, he makes some saves that other yes. human beings cannot make. Like it's, he does some things as well. It's the good side of Hugo Lloris. Like, right. Like he right. he still is reaching the heights that maybe Hugo Lloris at times. Just a uh, quick aside: Who's the best keeper in the world right now? Don't make me answer this, Todd. I I would. I think it's Courtois. That's what I was gonna say. That's my answer too. I think it's Courtois as well. I didn't like that. I know. Let's move I know on. that hurts you. Move on. I just I wondered if you no, agreed. Yeah. I wondered if no, you agreed. He he, he um, Courtois when kind of he was younger in some of the big moments he had. Not like out-and-out out howlers, but just mistakes that he would never make. Uh, a lot of five-hole goals that, that happen. He, I think, has found a way to embrace some of that pressure at Real Madrid. And, and he has now kind of embodied what Madrid have been the last four or five years, which is as the stakes rise in the Champions League, that squad just shows up and, and plays better and better and better. And I think Courtois has been a, a huge Courtois and Benzema, like at right. both ends of the pitch. Those guys are the ones that, that have really, I think, raised their game. All right, back to Man United with yes. David De Gea. So De Gea becomes a free agent, so they're looking for a keeper. But as you mentioned, they did get one across the line, finally. They did. They finally got the Mason Mounts uh, transfer done, which I, I think is just the Mount thing at Chelsea. It depends on what briefing you want to listen to. The, the Mason Mount camp and the Chelsea camp both have things to say. I, the truth is always somewhere in the middle. It sounds like that when Todd Bowley was still running the show by himself before the World Cup, he had offered a contract to Mount. Mount had accepted it. By the time Mount got back from the World Cup, the co-sporting directors were in place. They're like, well, actually, that'll bust the wage structure up. And then from there, the, the relationship between Chelsea and Mason Mount kind of deteriorated. He also was injured, so it's a, a tough time as well. For Manchester United, this is going to be a great signing. He All of the pressing and everything that he does is exactly what... Um, Eric Ten Hag is going to want. He will show up. The, the only downside to Mason Mount for, for United fans that haven't tracked him a ton is that there's going to be the, a one match a year that he scores this unreal goal, and you're like, why don't you have 10 of those? And uh, But the, the passes, things like that, he, he's the one that, sorry, Todd, earmuffs, played that perfect pass through to Kai Havertz in the championship. They're both League gone final. now. It doesn't hurt anymore. They are indeed. They are indeed. Oh, you're telling me one went to our biggest title rivals and one went to our biggest actual rivals. Great. You're welcome. Great. That's awesome. You're welcome. But, yeah, I, I think that Mount's going to be a really good signing for United as long as he's healthy. Mason Mount, um, he's been one of those guys that was a darling of every single Chelsea manager since Lampard brought him into the first team, and he played, it felt like, every single game from Project Restart on to the World Cup, and so I, I just hope for him that he's had some time to just rehab and rest his body because I, I think more than anything, his dip in form the last 12 months is due to the fact that he has not had two months off in four years. Sure. Let's uh, let's move from Manchester United over to Tottenham where uh, two transfer bits of news with Tottenham. The big one we'll get to second. First, they do sign, uh, they do buy James Madison from... Yep relegated Leicester, a player who I think most people rated pretty highly. Yeah. Um, well, someone who I think will help them. For sure. And Leicester now, Yuri Thielmans went to Villa, so a good bit of business from Villa to to bring that in to take advantage of that. And then 
Madison coming into Spurs. I think this really fills a role that they've been looking for since Erickson left, right? Which is kind of that, not just a creative midfielder, but someone that thinks outside the box. will play that pass that no one else has the audacity to, to fire in there and just see what happens. You know what I mean? And so I think that's going to be a good bit of business for Tottenham. Madison is absolutely a, not just Premier League footballer, but a top shelf Premier League footballer. And so, uh, I hated that that came across as it went to a club that I do not like, but I, I think that's a, a great signing for, for Spurs. And now they need him to set Harry Kane up on the platter a couple of times, make life easier on him, it sounds like, to try and convince Harry Kane to stick around for a few more years. Yeah, I, uh, I you know, so... Originally, the news comes in that uh, Bayern Munich have bid for Harry Kane, and er- immediately we're told no, right? Which, not surprising, right? That, Hang up the phone. Exactly. Yeah, he's one exactly. of those players. But then it's reported, and again, this is one where, you know, I'm not familiar. In fact, I don't even remember now the name of the guy that reported it. That's a Bundesliga reporter. Is it not Julia Nagelsmann's girlfriend? Uh, no. No, okay. No, his initials were CF because his... Christian Falk? I think that might have been it. Because, yeah, is that who it is? That, that, that's, okay. he's, he's the German yeah. mover and shaker. Yeah, because it was In like CF Bayern or yeah, something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. Was Falk, his... Falk, Falk is, I don't know if mouthpiece is the right word, but he's very tied in with Bayern, which means okay. that he is the king of German transfers because everything Bayern, rolls through Bayern. Rolls through Bayern. Yeah. So he had reported that Harry Kane had agreed to personal terms like two contract terms with Bayern and that they were just waiting to get the deal done between Bayern and Tottenham, which puts pressure on Tottenham. And if that is really true, tell Spurs that he wants out. Right. So I guess I'll ask you, Ryan, um, from both sides of it, how do you handle this if you're Spurs and how would you handle it if you were Harry Kane in this situation? So I I think that the first thing as Todd is talking with his hands, I'm just cracking up because we have, hit the zero a couple oh, of times bad. on the team. My bad. No, it, my bad. it's just hilarious. Uh, I don't there even know go. what's on there. <laughs> uh, I think that this is not new news to, to Spurs because of what happened at the start of last season with, you know what I mean, the the will he or won't he, and then he decided he was going to stay and just play. So I, I think for But a, they're not in Europe this year, though. Yeah. So that's where it's different. For, last season, you would go, mm, how serious is he? We're in the Champions League. Well, and he's also out of contract at the end of next year. So, like, if I'm Tottenham, he, here is a rumor that we had brought up months ago as a joke that came up again this week. I don't know if you saw, and, and I'm not even going to pretend like this came from one of the most reputable sources, but it keeps popping up, which is that there is a minor worry that Harry Kane, when he's out of contract next year, is going to go and link up with the head coach who he has the best relationship with from his career, which is Mauricio Pochettino. Right. Harry Kane is building a home. It just happens to be, and this is, again, pure coincidence, but he's building one that is a hop, skip, and a jump from Chelsea's training ground because that's just a, a nice residential area for some Premier League footballers that are in London. Like, if I am Tottenham, I am mortified at if Harry Kane is out of contract, what that result could be. He, but if but he wants can to I stay, say this, though? Wouldn't this also be the perfect way to gain leverage to put that story out there if you were Harry Kane's representation? Yeah. To but, scare Tottenham? Yes, but it leverage, truth, lie. If I'm Spurs, I am mortified because out of contract, 
there are just so many. He's going to be in high demand, and Harry Kane has, has been someone that really feels like he loves being at home in the Premier League, right? And so that means if you're Tottenham, he could walk over to Arsenal on a free, walk over to Chelsea on a free. If he goes to Liverpool on a free, United on it, like it doesn't matter where he goes in the Premier League. He is instantly going to make that team a their top four should be a disappointment if you drop out of it. And what else can you do? How high can you go? And so if I were Spurs, if he's willing to agree to leave England, I just go to Bayern Munich and I'd say, okay, here's what we value, Matt. Let's work towards something that all sides can agree is no one's taking advantage of anybody. Because I just think that the prospect of what could happen in this specific case almost should be enough to to threaten what's going on there. It, kind of the same situation, a, a lot lower quality player as far as what he's done, but that I just went through as a Chelsea fan with, with Mason Mount of going, yeah, he could go anywhere for, he's going to stay in England probably, and he could go anywhere for a free. So at least get some money out of this thing uh, rather than next summer Mason Mount just walks over to Manchester United and, and the same result, but at least the club didn't benefit at all. I, I would be very concerned if that were Spurs. Right. I, I mean, I understand where you're coming from. I just don't know. I don't know how Spurs can keep him. I, like, if he really wants to leave, I, I, for as much as, and, and maybe this is where Spurs just go, yeah, he's kind of, you know, he's kind of got us by the short hairs here. It's Harry the- Kane does. Because for Kane, he has been so loyal to them. At times when other players wouldn't have been loyal to them, he saw it through the new stadium. You know, when there were rumors that he was leaving, he stayed and he never, ever went out in the media and said, I want away. Right. Those stories never came out with Harry Kane. It was all it was more media driven of surely Harry Kane wants away. Right. It's because the, Tottenham the are getting the job. Done. Exactly. Exactly. And so for him to give them that loyalty and now be at a point in his career where he's going to start the downhill slide soon. You know, you would think that he would say at some point, okay, I've got to use all this leverage, all this capital that I've gained by my loyalty to exit on my terms. Yeah. And I think that's probably what's going to happen. Now, whether that's this year or next year, I don't know the answer to that. Maybe he does want to give it a go with Postacoglu and see if, however the hell you say his name, uh, and see if if they they do finish top four. Or there is, you know, they do make a buy or two that makes him think there's a future there. But, I mean, for Kane, not playing in Europe really, really hurts his value and it really hurts what move he could have next year. It, it's not good for him. It, unless they're in a title race, and I just don't think that's going to be where they're at next year. Yeah, it, it feels to me a lot resemblant of, you brought this up earlier in a different context of like, trusting in Presti, right, for Thunder fans. This also feels like the last couple of years of Russell Westbrook, of like, okay, you, you had this era with Kevin Durant. You were so, so close, couldn't quite get over the hump, not going to hammer you for it. It's really hard to win a championship, right? Then you have one or two people leave, so you reshuffled the deck. You went through a season where it was just Westbrook. You tried the Paul George mellow thing. Then it was just Paul George. None of that worked, and it almost becomes the thing of, we respect you for staying here. We respect you for, for your dedication to the franchise. And it's almost a, we know that we probably can't give you a title and we need to head on to something different. So we need to trade you now so that we can get something back. 
in the Spurs' perspective, since trading's not really a thing, it's like, we need to sell you now so that we can get some sort of profit so we can turn around and reinvest to what our next generation, our right. next hack at team building is going to look like. Right. But what's a little different, I think, in American sports than British sports is because, in English sports, because in American sports, if you piss off the fans, so be it. Like, what are they going to do? Right. Right. And and if you make the fans mad, they're mad at you for a year, and then you get a top draft pick. Yeah. Right? It's a little bit different in Europe where if Spurs finish 12th or 13th, you're looking at protests. You're looking at, you know, players wanting out. You're looking at not having the money that you need to buy to improve the team. Right? You're looking at all those things, which we've seen clubs, like to some extent Manchester United went through that. It wasn't 13th, 14th, but... We saw that for a few years there. Saw it for a long time at Liverpool. That's not a fun place to be. Tottenham have been in the conversation. And so, yes, by getting rid of Harry Kane right now, by offloading him and getting the most you can get out of him, it's probably best for both parties. Like right now, that's probably the best thing you can do. That also has a chance for Tottenham of spiraling out of control. Yeah, the, the good news for Spurs is you have Son who... If you can just convince him to stay for at least one season, right? If you can convince him to stay for one season, then you can reinvest the Harry Kane money into the spine of the team that is like Harry Kane wasn't the issue with that group this past year, right? And so you can kind of have that transition. Uh, you'll still be able to score goals. It's not going to be like a Chelsea scenario where you're like, okay, you feel good about seven of the 11 guys, but this team just can't score goals. So it doesn't really matter how well you're defending or anything like that. I don't think they'll be in that situation. If you can just keep him around, son, that is, then I think you have enough to really retool this rebuild on the fly. And and I don't really think it's even that much of a rebuild. It's just a, you've been trying to reinforce behind Harry Kane. Now you can hopefully finish that job and then circle back around for another striker here in two or three years. We have an update. Oh, boy. I have officially been rate limit exceeded. Oh! <laughs> so my Twitter is down now as well. Way to refresh. You, you, you refresh with like a champ. Oh, Lord. Lord. All right. In our last segment, we'll get to uh, the U.S. men's national team transfers. Yes. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, gold Cup, some Gold, gold Cup, Cup stuff as well. And we'll give you an update on Oklahoma City FC. Uh, just a little quick heads up there. They've got the weekend off season finale coming up next Saturday. We'll tell you about that as well. All that and more coming up on the other side. You're listening to the soccer show here on 107.7 of the franchise brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic. You're listening to The Soccer Show, brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic on 107.7 The Franchise. This might be one of my favorite songs, Todd. To be honest, good vibes. Now we just need a Vuvuzela in the background and I'll just be all the way there. All the way there. Close I know you like this one. I know this yeah, is one of your favorites. It is. It is. Shout out to Kanan. Uh, you're listening to the Sock Show. We're going to close out here on 107 the Franchise. Brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic. Todd, soccer fans will have one more chance to get out to Mustang High School and see Oklahoma City FC on next Saturday. Next correct? Saturday. That's right. Next Saturday against South Star FC. Uh, it'll be the season finale for Oklahoma City FC for South Star uh, they could get a little help and still get in to the playoffs. The winner of the Red River Conference gets in. South Star 
South Star sits in second right now uh, on 13 points. FC Dallas in first on 15 points. And uh, Oklahoma City FC with the chance to play spoiler. They sit in fourth right now on seven points, but take on South Star on Saturday. South Star will need a win, so we'll see if the uh, Scissor Tails can come through and at least get a point out of that one. Last match of the season. It's been a lot of fun this year, as always, to be out at Mustang High School. And you and I will be on the call for that on the uh, stream as well yeah, next if, Saturday night. If you missed the uh, the last stream, there was a lot of chimichanga talk. There were some churros. That's right. uh, it was a fiesta. You should have been there. That's right. If you, it, first off, the coolest place you can be is at Mustang High School cheering on the scissor tails. And if you're not able to make it out, the second coolest place you could be is ass on couch, stream up, enjoying right. the uh, the the sweet nothings of Todd Lisenby and whatever the hell I chuck in. I don't, you I don't think I do much. You nailed it. You nailed it. Um, all right, let's get back to some. Uh, you want to do? Let's go. Let's go to Newcastle. Let's go to Newcastle because we haven't talked much about Newcastle. Yeah, obviously new money, and I think you know it's not over the line yet, and we'll talk about why that's the case. But Newcastle signing Sandro Tonali is. I don't think it might be. I think it is the most underrated signing so far of this transfer window. Yeah, my one of my uh, Chelsea group chats that I was in, when this thing happened, uh, or at least it started to report that they had agreed to terms and on a price and all of that, uh, we all were like, this is not good. This is not good from a Chelsea perspective. We do not need another club in the Premier League that has the financial backing to go after who they want and has the scouting to to identify talents like Tonali, add them into the eleven, and then go. Yeah, that that is the the slow progression. It's not the early day Abramovich just going to throw money left, right, and center. It's not the uh, Papa Todd Bowley, Screw it, I'm going to buy one of everything. This is a identifying a position of need for Newcastle and going out and getting a just incredible young talent as well who could grow with Newcastle. And, and and kind of help shape the team around Tenali. So uh, Tenali, how old is he? Uh, is he just twenty? Let me let me look. I'll, I'll look it up. Real so quick. Sandro Tenali, a uh, couple things. Number one, like you mentioned, he is a good young player, and you talked about it. And this is where twenty three. Sorry, twenty three. Okay. Um, okay, it makes sense now. So Tenali, twenty three years old. Uh, you talked about it with how when you get new money, you can't just throw it at everybody. That's not yeah. the right way to do it. That's what Man City did when they got it back in the day. They bought Rabinho, they bought, you know, Tevez, and just bought everybody and realized pretty quickly you can't do it that way. And now they've kind of mastered that plan. I The one thing I will say, this is no comment on where the money comes from, right? It's, it's from Saudi Arabia, which right now in the news in America, Saudi Arabian money in sports is a big thing, right? Not just in America, in the whole world. The money comes from Saudi Arabia. That aside, it's obvious that they have learned from other teams' mistakes that have gotten a lot of new money. And I respect the way they're going about building it as far as just from a procedural standpoint, like how they are. This this was a plan that was in place. It wasn't a freak out and buy everything. It was a we're going to take this money and spend it this way. And then after we get this amount of success, we're going to spend it this way. And then once we get into the Champions League, we're going to spend it this way, you know. And they are ahead of schedule because they've done it right. And Tenali, I think, is a really, really good young player um, that is going to be really good for them for a long time. And I think he's going to fit in perfectly there. Yeah, like Gianfranco Zola came out because he's you know Italian. They're talking about Zola. And Zola was like, yeah, AC Milan should have done everything they could to, to bend over backwards and try and keep him in. And 
this is kind of why um, when the new Chelsea ownership had come in, I was hopeful that while Chelsea had a ton of success under the cutthroat Abramovich, if you don't win, you're going to get fired. No one lasts more than two seasons. But I think you started to saw see toward the end there the reason that Chelsea have not had an actual like sustained Premier League title challenge, mostly it's FA Cup glory, Champions League run, stuff like that, is to truly compete over 38 match weeks in the Premier League. You need total synergy from a manager that puts a playing style in place that then your scouting department knows we need to find players that fit into this playing style that your sporting director knows okay, what are these players and how much can we actually spend and not get hamstrung or inflate the wages or anything like that? And that is why Arsenal's patience under Arteta, I think, is something to be admired because they had a vision and they waited for it to see through. You saw the fruits kind of uh, come to pass last year. This is why Pep Guardiola, this is why Liverpool under Jurgen Klopp have enjoyed so much success because you get elite manager plus that stability. And I think Newcastle were taking a step there in understanding you need that stability, and maybe the slow burn is actually more effective because once you get it rolling, then it becomes a lot easier to say, we just need one piece, and now we can go shopping for the top-of-the-line left winger, if that's what you need. Right. We can go shopping for the top-of-the-line. We need a six. Let's go file, you know, spend as much money as we can because we only need to fill really one spot in the summer of 2025 or whenever that comes to bear for Newcastle. So it's a little bit confusing to me on how this all works, but... Tenali, who's 23, is still playing for Italy's under-21s, I think because he was under-21 like on this cycle or whatever. Yeah. I think that's how it works. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, but because the reason why the Tenali transfer is not done yet is because in the, uh, the uh, 2023 under-21s Euros finals, currently taking place in Romania and Georgia, Italy were in the group stages. So in the group stage, stay with me here, France finished with three wins, uh, so nine points, right? And then Switzerland, Italy, and Norway all had one win and two losses. So it was a three-way tie for second. Yeah. Two teams get through. Italy had tied for the best goal difference with Norway. Italy had minus one. Norway had minus one on goal difference. Goals scored... Uh, Switzerland had five, Italy had four, Norway had three. So Norway is is last on goals you know, scored. Goals scored. They're second to last. So Italy and Switzerland, you look at those two and compare them. Italy beat Switzerland head to head. Italy had a better goal difference than Switzerland, but Switzerland got through in second place. And the reason why is because. The way they break a three-way tie is they they figure out how all three of those did against each other. Yeah. They all won one, lost one. So they all tied on that. Then they go to goal difference. It was zero for all of them. Right. They were all one goal or two goal wins and then one goal or two goal losses. Just goal difference within those three. Within those three games. Take the France game out. Take the France game out. Then they go to goals scored in those three games. And in those three games, Switzerland scored one more goal than Italy. So they get through on the tiebreaker. And because Italy are now out of the under-21s, and so Nolly's no, no longer participating in can it, it they can finally the get that over the line and it can become official. It's been agreed to. The total, it looked like 80 mil. It looks like that was a little bit high. It might actually be less than that for Newcastle. And I think it's a really good buy. 
Um, there is some U.S. men's national team player news. Let's start with Timothy Weah. Well, at first, before we do that, just real quick, on the pitch, Gold Cup, uh, since we last kind of got together, the U.S. and Jamaica drew 1-1. I know there were some people that were pretty upset about that. That was a team that hadn't played a lot together. Jamaica, by far the best team in this group. I wasn't as bothered by that. Uh, on the then the other end of the pendulum, the 6-0 win over St. Kitts Nevis. Also not going to freak out be like, they fixed it because it's St. Kitts and Nevis, right? And so tomorrow... Uh, the U.S. will take on Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, should be did you good see? Shape did you too. see what Leon Bailey did? Yes, <laughs> that was one of the sickest things I've ever seen. Leon Leon Bailey is a ton of fun, and I'm really sad. I don't think he's Chelsea level, but you growing up at Chelsea, I just like I wanted him. Yeah, uh, he, yeah, yeah. When, when it's good, it's really good. Yeah. So that's that. Uh, Trinidad and Tobago tomorrow at 6 p.m. on Fox. Then move on into the knockouts of the Gold Cup. Now onto the transfer news. Yeah, let's start. Let's start in. Uh, well. I was going to say, let's start in Italy. but We're, we're I, just going to stay in Italy. We're yeah, going to park we'll stay in Italy. Italy. Let's, uh, how about we go with the biggest name first with Christian Pulisic yeah. to AC Milan? It, it, that one has been rumored for a bit. Personal terms have been agreed to for Pulley and AC Milan. It sounds like you're just going to get down to Milan and Chelsea agreeing on a fee. Chelsea have kind of a, a frustrate. From the Chelsea perspective, they are often frustrated doing You would call that for Chelsea a disappointment, right? His career there? Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it felt, I think that a couple of things, one, the project restart Pulisic is what everyone had ever dreamed of. As far as the U S men's national team fan, he was the best player, him and Mason Mount for Chelsea during project restart. I think a lot of that had to do with Frank Lampard just saying, screw it. We're going to play a four, three, three. When Tuchel came in, it became kind of a, a two man front line. And Pulisic just, I, we see it with the national team when he's just allowed to play left winger. Sorry, champ. Damian Lillard has finally requested. I know, I was just looking at the same thing. Uh, when, when Pulisic's played left winger, that's where he's the most dangerous. That's where he can play. And so my just hope is that he can play that at AC Milan. Um, I, the injury stuff as well, <laughs> it felt like when, I know a lot of people hammer Tuchel, it feels like when he, Pulisic and Tuchel were on the same page as when he would have kind of a little limited hamstring thing, and we saw the pressure that Tuchel was under. Like It, it just was a disappointment, for sure. So um, for, for Pulisic, I think that he... I think this will be a positive for his career. He he know, like he never shied away from the fight or anything like that. He was not someone that came in and requested a transfer because he just wasn't given anything. I, I think it was just a matter of system plus injury never let him really get firing to to have a sustained run of games outside of Project Restart. so I would just say this. It is July 1, 2023. What happens between July 1, 2023 and, you know, August 1, 2026 is going to define what we think of Christian Pulisic and his career as a soccer player, both both nationally and club-wise. It's going to define it. Yeah, yeah. Um, he has a chance. You know, if he goes to AC Milan and is really good, he has a chance to be talked about as one of the best uh, United States players ever to play European club soccer, right? I mean, he he has that ability. Yeah, no, and he's I, already on a short list. Yeah, when and, it comes to that, and, and I, I'm because I think people forget how good he was before Chelsea. Yeah, and, right. But it was also as mostly a super sub and limited action because sure. of the injury stuff. It feels like this is the healthiest stretch he's had. Yeah. So I'm just really hoping that he can get that fresh start at Milan, really enjoy life at, at the club level. Then obviously for 2026, that's yeah. going to determine, you know, in America what people think of him forever. And the thing is, 
Pulisic, it sounds like, is willing to take a big wage cut to do this. Yes. I think he realizes that. Yeah. I think he knows, like, I've got to start playing more. I've got to get my career kick-started. Well, and the, some of the quotes you just given when he was in Miami, I missed him by a day. Guys, I'm sorry. I would have got the exclusive. <laughs> is that he was just like, he, he loves life at the, at the international level. He hasn't loved life at the club level. I think he really enjoyed London. Um, and I think that for now, he's like, okay, it is so important for me to enjoy club football again so that I'm uh, a happy athlete 24-7. Sounds like Yunus Musa is someone that AC Milan's also looking at. Yep. So uh, I don't know what their determination on Serginio Dest is going to be, but AC Milan could become a ESPN Plus, has the Serie A contract, could be really easy to watch three no doubt. first and, teamers. And, and listen, uh, it's impossible to think you're going to have nine U.S. men's national team players on the same team like those old Spain teams you talked about that yeah. all played for Barcelona. But if you can just get two or three together, that does nothing but help when you get together and play national team matches. It's basically our proposition of Jesse Marsh having a first 11 of Americans at Leeds and then him just being the U.S. men's national team head coach doing both. We'll just do that in yeah. the aggregate. I think what people forget is, and I know we're running short on time, Timothy Weah, Juventus, that's another one. Just, yeah. you know, real quick, I I don't know how much time he's going to see. So this one... I don't know how much he's going to play. We're going to run over. Sorry, bosses. Uh, if Allegri ends up going to the Saudi League, whoever the Juventus hire is, is fascinating for Wea's career because I think that with Allegri, he might have been seen as a wingback. Right. And while that may be great for him to continue to get action at the club level, I, just like with Pulisic, I want these players to be in spots where he's going to be a right winger for the U.S. men's national team. I would love for him to play right winger at the club level. You know what I mean? Right. And so I'm really interested, happy for Wea. I think this is a huge moment and dealing with the pressure of being at Juventus, I think will help deal with the pressure that all these players are going to feel in 2026. I just hope that if the Allegri thing goes through, I haven't seen if that's official, if that was just a rumor, it just popped up a couple of days ago, that maybe it's a chance for U.S. fans to have it both ways and get way at Juventus while also playing right wing instead of right wing back. And last one, just on Balogun, who's the, you know, the new kid on the block for the U.S. men's national team. The reporting out there from Fabrizio Romano is that Crystal Palace are in on him. Yeah. There are a couple of French sides, a couple of Bundesliga sides that are in on him as well. Welcome and that, to Strasbourg. And that uh, Balogun wants to be very picky in where yes. he goes. And I like that. So I like that too. I, he may not even move this year. Yeah. Right? He wants to go somewhere where he can get time and where it helps his career. They may send him back out on loan again. I, But it sounds like he is being very picky in his destination. So yeah. that is a remains to be seen for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll know more next week as the transfer window moves at hyperspeed. But that'll do it for us today. Just one more big reminder. The breaking news in sports this morning is that Damian Lillard has requested a trade from the Blazers. So... Lillard to the Thunder confirmed. The the hardest path, the hardest road. Uh, not stay- he put well, in a transfer request during the soccer show. He did. He <laughs> did. Shout out to Matt Goldbranson, Matty Goldfish, who does a phenomenal job always. Thank you to Todd for putting up with me. I'm Ryan Chapman. We'll talk to you guys next Saturday. And don't forget, get your OKC FC tickets for the home finale on July 8th. That'll do it for us, though. On the other side, I believe we're headed to some VEASAN action. You got Oklahoma City Spark kicking off their stay at Hall of Fame Stadium tonight. 7 p.m. You'll be able to listen to that pregame starting at 6.45. Classic game at one as well. On the franchise and the classic game at one. So no need to turn that dial. That'll do it for us. We'll talk to you guys next Saturday.